21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hi, everybody. Welcome to my Run Your Life podcast series. I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in to any episode that you can. I really appreciate your time and energy. Uh, I want to jump right into a summary of today's uh, discussion. It was, a, it was a really good chat that I had, and my guest and I in this episode discussed the themes of making a difference and finding purpose in regards to pursuing both personal and professional excellence. And I feel very lucky to have had Clint Pulver on my podcast. Clint is an amazing individual who has committed himself to making a difference in the world through the talents that he has worked so very hard at developing within himself. Clint is an award-winning presenter, entertainer, professional drummer, motivational speaker, and actor. He has performed on America's Got Talent and starred in motion pictures with actors such as Jack Black and John Heater. Clint has shared his message with hundreds of thousands of teachers and students around the globe, as well as many business organizations. And the philosophy he shares is that every single person in the world has unique talents and strengths that can make a difference to others. And in developing these talents, strengths, and passions within ourselves, we have the ability to inspire others and to truly change their lives for the better. In today's episode, you will hear Clint's powerful story and how one very special teacher changed the course of Clint's life when he was 10 years old. And as a direct result of this one teacher's impact, Clint fell in love with playing the drums and has had drumsticks in his hands every single day for the past 21 years. Clint's energy and enthusiasm is contagious, and it's so easy to see why he has had such an enormous impact on the students and teachers he has presented to. The cool thing is that Clint was sitting in his home studio when we recorded this podcast on Skype. And as I was chatting with him, I noticed in the background this massive drum kit. And I decided to present him near the end of the episode. I decided to present him with a fun challenge of banging off a live piece for us. I said, hey, Clint, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but how about you jump on your drum kit and play for us? He took me up on the challenge, jumped behind his kit, and proceeded to play an awesome 20 or 30 second piece on his drums. It was amazing. But unfortunately, the microphone couldn't handle absorbing the sound of this mini performance. So the quality of audio when he was playing drums wasn't very good. But I'm keeping it in without editing any parts out because you'll definitely be able to hear just how talented of a percussionist Clint is. I encourage you to check out Clint's website and his Facebook page, which are included in today's show notes. And I sincerely hope you enjoy this episode with Clint and that this conversation helps you to reflect on the talents and strengths that you possess, and how you are using these skills to positively impact others in your life, both personally and professionally. And as Clint says, there is a huge difference between being the best in the world and being the best for the world. In being the best for the world, we can spark hope, wonder, excitement, and inspiration. And this is exactly what the world needs. 
So everybody, thanks again for tuning in to this episode with Clint Pulver, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Clint, so uh, we're recording live now. People have heard about you in the audio introduction. Uh, I want to first thank you for being on the show. I I came across uh, a video, the Mr. Jensen video, which uh, I probably watched three or four times and was like, that's amazing. I mean, that's why I got into education, you know. So that just totally captured my heart when I saw that. I showed it to my two boys who are 13 and 15, and they wanted to watch it a few times, and my wife's an educator. And uh, I reached out, and um, we, we connected. So I want to thank you for being on the show. You are so welcome. No, it's an honor to be a part of it. Thank yeah. you for asking. So I want to jump right into. So I, I've already in the in the, just speaking to you before hitting the record button. I gave you a bit of insight into the podcast and who the listeners are. And there's a lot of physical education and health educators and administrators and coaches. So I really want them to hear your message. Um, so just share some background into your life and what you do for a living, and just anything you want people to really know about you. Yeah, so I've traveled for about the last seven years as, as a professional speaker. So I travel the world uh, speaking to various different audiences, uh, ranging from elementary kids to middle school students to high school students to educator events, uh, professional development conferences for educators. And then also we work in the corporate space as well. And uh, those messages vary depending upon the audience, uh, obviously, on who I'm speaking to. But in the educator space, it's it's all about the power of reminding the teacher of the significance that they have within the teaching job. Uh, and then also, it's, it's, it's about peer-to-peer collaboration. So we focus on the teacher-student relationship, but we also focus on the teacher-to-teacher relationship and how that is instrumental in helping with uh, you know, re- retention, uh, keeping uh, teachers involved, sharing messages, learning mentorship in the classroom, not just uh, you're on your own, try not to mess it up and hopefully you don't burn out in the process. So that's kind of the message of what we're, we're going in and inspiring and helping and giving actionable ideas on how teachers can do that better. Yeah, and that's so relevant. Um, <clears throat> in particular, it's really relevant to the work that I do and my philosophy. And, and that's why I think that we, we have a very common vision. And one of the things that I bring to teachers when I run teacher workshops in, in different countries is, you know, we're always bombarded with messages as educators that everything is about student learning. And I agree. But if we back up a few steps, it really is about those collegial relations and creating an environment that is um, where you plant the seeds for, you know, real support of each other in terms of growth and development. And, and so it's that, that collegial aspect of collaboration that brings out the best in teachers, which then has the trickle-down impact on student learning. So I, I love your message and, and what you do. So where are some of the places you've been in the world to present? Uh, I've been to Dubai, Thailand, Australia, Guatemala, Puerto Rico, uh, all over the United States, Canada. Um, well, we just got back from Hawaii. That oh, was wow. uh, a wonderful trip. So all, all over, all over the place. And in the uh, countries abroad, um, international schools or? Yeah, international schools or international conferences They okay. are generally what they are. They're, they're an educational conference, they're a, a leadership conference, they're an HR conference, um, or they're a student international leadership conference. That Those are generally what we're, we're being asked to go do. Okay, excellent. I, I'm going to put you in touch after the show with um, the European Council of International Schools because they run an amazing PE and health conference every year. That goes from like Munich to Switzerland, all over the place. And I know they have their speakers for this year, but I'm going to encourage them to get in touch with you because I think you have a lot to offer and your message is really critical in in the PE field because, you know, I guess we this is a good time to segue into kind of your musical background and your passion for music. So um, maybe we can just jump into your story and you can share your journey and what led you uh, on the life path that you're currently on. Yeah, so I, when, I, when I was younger, I, I, I was 
the kid that always had a hard time sitting still, uh, still do even to this day, uh, even just for this podcast, I'm just, uh, mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it was always a little bit of a struggle for me. Um, and I was the kid that kind of got classified as the problem. This is back, you know, 21 years ago when ADHD and ADD was kind of on the rise as, as, as a diagnosis, uh, per se. And, uh, I didn't ever get officially diagnosed, but, uh, got called that many times or people assumed that that was the issue. That was the problem. Uh, I, I just, I would tap, I would move, I would, uh, I just had a hard time sitting still. And uh, the kids would, would harass, I got nicknames, uh, the twitcher, the tapper in school. Uh, it wasn't even it, just the kids, even the teachers, the teachers uh, would constantly yell or they would tell me, you need to sit still. I need you to sit still. Clint, I need you to stop tapping. Clint, I need you to focus. Clint, I need you to pay attention. And, and one day a female educator, she, she lost it and she just out of frustration, she sent, sent me out of class, sent me down to the principal's office. And uh, I met with the principal. Uh, and I was I was 10 years old at the time, so I was in the fifth grade, and the principal came in and, and he said, "What's what's going on?" And I just I, I I I have a hard time sitting still. And he thought for a minute and he said, "Okay, listen, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you back to class, and I want you to just sit on your hands. Okay, when you feel like you got to hit something, you feel like you got to tap. I want you to just sit on your hands." And uh, I, I thought that was a decent idea. The principal thought it was a stroke of genius yeah. and uh, sent me back to class. And uh, I sat down in my seat and not five minutes went by. And it always happened when I started to focus. It was always when I was trying to concentrate and I started to tap. But then I slowly realized that I needed to sit on my hands. And when I sat on my hands, my feet would start tapping. Yeah. And it just it was a continuation of just. I just had a hard time. That was a big struggle for me. And but but physical movement in my life has always been a part of it. I've always had to move. I've all, my mom would would put me in the hamper, the the laundry basket, just to keep me in one place, <laughs> so she could like get things done without wondering where I was at. Uh, I just I've been that person and. Uh, most people in my life have, have viewed that as, as a problem, but I had one educator, uh, in, in my younger years who saw it as, uh, an opportunity. He viewed it as, as a solution in my life that literally allowed me to live a better story. Um, one day in class, in his class, I was, uh, sitting and I was tapping and the educator's name was Mr. Jensen. And as I was tapping, uh, he looked at me and he, he yelled and he said, Clint, I need you to stay after class. He said, okay, you, you and me stay after class. Okay, when everything's done, we're, we're going to meet. And I remember, I remember that moment. I remember feeling nervous. I remember I had already met with the principal's office. My parents had been called by the school administration. Uh, that I, 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 they, they actually called and, and advocated and recommended medication uh, to my parents for me to help me in class. Um, but this educator, Mr. Jensen, after class got out, he pulled me to the back of the room. He sat me down. He said, listen, he said, I, there's a reason I asked you to stay after class. He said, I know who you are. You're the problem kid. You're the kid that's on the list. You're the kid that all the other teachers talk about in the faculty room. Uh, you're the kid that got sent to the principal's office two weeks ago. He said, but I've, I've been watching you. Then he said, and I see what you do. You'll do something with your right hand. And then at the same time, you can do something different with your left hand and you do it at two different tempos and you can you can keep it and it's consistent and he said that in big adult words we call that ambidextrous yeah. and as a little kid I'm like Ambo what like what yeah. and he said try this try this he said can you can you tap your head and rub your belly at the same time and I, I kind of I gave it a go yeah. and then he said now switch he said can you switch that he said now can you can you rub your head and tap your belly and literally without thinking about it back and forth I could I could switch I, I had that independence in my limbs and he he saw me do that and he leaned back in his chair and he laughed and he said, you know what? He said, I don't think you're a problem. I just think you're a drummer. <laughs> and in that moment, I, I am I am the person that believes in the power of a single moment and that a single moment in time can literally change a person's life. And uh, this was one of those moments for me because he reached back and he opened up <clears throat> the top drawer of his desk 
and he reached inside and he took out my very first pair of drumsticks. And it was a moment where I had an educator that tried to, that I had an educator that advocated for me, not just tried to develop me. There's a big difference there. And, uh, I, I, you know, it, it, was, it was that moment where I didn't really understand the severity or the importance of that moment. But I'll never forget when he took those sticks and he put them in my hands and he said, Clint, here's the deal. He said, I'm going to give you these sticks. These are for you. He said, but you got to promise me something. Promise me you'll just try to keep them in your hands as much as you can. Just keep them in your hands and let's see what happens. And that was 21 years ago. That's amazing. And... I can sit here today and, and honestly say 21 years ago, almost literally to to this day, almost, or like within the, the span of when that happened, uh, I have tried my best to keep my promise to Mr. Jensen. Uh, for 21 years, I have had the opportunity to tour and record all over the world. Uh, I performed on America's Got Talent. Uh, performed with amazing artists, amazing venues all over the world, playing the drums. I ended up going to college. I had no idea what I wanted to study, uh, but I had drumsticks in my hands. Uh, in 2012, I graduated from, from university uh, with a bachelor's degree and zero, zero college debt. Uh, why? Uh, music scholarships. Yeah. Um, whole college education was paid for through music. And I, I don't tell the people that are listening, and I'm not telling you that, Andy, to, to, to wow, look at you, Clint, or wow, that's amazing. I, I tell that story because of one person, one person, and specifically an educator who viewed uh, the problem as that opportunity, saw the potential, not the limitation, decided to collaborate, not control advocated not just developed and in doing so I saw something in myself that I didn't always see and it has led to a life-changing world that I've been able to do things I never would have done before because of one person and so that that's the difference that's the power and that influence of you know what you talk about Andy and the educators massively matter and they change the world they help write a better story for Everybody, the good ones, the good ones, and 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 doing and in doing so, if you are that educator, if you are that 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 person in the school system that does that and gets to the part about the student, they'll never forget you for it. Yeah, they will never forget you for it ever. Yeah, such important words. And as I sit there and listen to you describe that experience, you know, that's the reason why I got into teaching. You know, and. On the path that I've been on, I'm trying to um, help teachers understand the, the power that they have in changing people's lives. It doesn't start with activities. It doesn't start, you know, you go to PE workshops and it's all about like 101 ways to play tag with a pool noodle or something. Yeah. And it's not about that, you know. It starts at the very core of connection and and social and emotional well-being and then through that you allow every single student an entry point into learning in a way that they can handle and some of the work that we're doing in in PE um, we have uh, I'm working with some researchers in Ireland and Canada uh, Dr. Tim Fletcher from Brock University in Canada, uh, they've kind of created this meaningful PE model and, and it's all about uh, inspiring kids to to uh, want to be active when not in school, and it's like through the program you you build these programs around what's relevant for kids and meaningful, and then if they can find that entry point into learning, especially in elementary school, then there's a much greater likelihood that they will be physically active the rest of their life. And like you said, physical activity was everything to you, right? And, and that's what's so incredibly important is to allow these young people to, to find something that they're passionate about. And like you said, they will never forget you for it. So say more to teachers, uh, any advice that you have to really create the conditions to help students thrive. Yeah, I think that every, like I mentioned a little bit before, I feel like every student is asking every teacher, let me know when it gets to the part about me. 
Let me know that, you know, let me know in the curriculum. Let me know when, when your lesson plan, let me know when, what you're doing in the, let me know when that gets to the part about me. And I'm talking on an emotional, physical, spiritual, uh, just that connection, right. That, that we're talking about. I, I do. I, I am the person, I believe that educators that the good ones educators have the ability to be the mentors in young people's lives that connect them with their dreams mm-hmm. great mentors connect people with their dreams you look at any any movie any good classic inspirational moving movie there's generally there's the mentor there's that mentor that comes in you look at star wars luke had obi-wan kenobi uh katniss everdeen had uh um uh, uh, Hamage. Mm-hmm. You, you've got you've got these people that, that come in. Harry Harry Potter had 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 Gandalf. Frodo had uh, no, excuse me. Frodo had Gandalf. Harry Potter had. Uh, um, why can't I think of his name right now? <laughs> I can't the think wizard, of it either. Oh, yeah. The wizard. Yeah. yeah um, they had they had those people. Those people that come in and and, and in doing so, it, it that's what that's what makes that story. Great. That's what inspires that person to do that. So as far as, you know, a, a tip or, or, or a way for educators to do that, uh, for, for me, I would I would recommend or I would advocate towards uh, great teachers are the people that have the ability to communicate a child's potential and that child's worth so well to the point that the child sees it within themselves. Uh, so two things focusing on that is potential and worth, mm-hmm. uh, and and, the, and 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 how Mr. Jensen did this for me in my life uh, was in two ways. He communicated my worth first of all by simply telling me what he saw when he looked at me. He told me what he saw. Mm-hmm. You know, when's the last time as an educator you sat down with one of your students and you really told them what you saw? You really told them what you what you view, what you what you see when you look at them, whether it's in physical education or a math class or in science. Hey, I, I, I'm noticing what you're doing and it's awesome. Yeah. And I want you to know that you've got what it takes and, and you're, you're you're good enough and you're valued enough. You look at stats on young people right now. They have anywhere from about 15,000 to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Mm-hmm. They found in, in thinking for young people that on average about 80 percent of those thoughts are negative. Mm-hmm. That's like I'm, I'm not. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not skinny enough. I, I'm not cool enough. I don't sit at the cool table at lunch. I don't wear the nice clothes. I don't drive the fast car. Whatever. Whatever it is. I only got 56 likes on my Instagram picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, why doesn't Jessica open up my Snapchat? Uh, you know, we laugh at some of these things, but these kids are battling uh, a lot within their lives, within what they think about, with what they don't think about. And you have that opportunity because you might be the only person as an educator who communicates that because chances are they don't communicate it to themselves. And, and you know, who knows what their home life is like, what their, their friend life is like, what their you know family situation is. You have that person, you have that control within that classroom to, to first off be that person that communicates that worth by telling them what you see. Second is potential. Uh, Mr. Jensen didn't just tell me what he saw when he looked at me. He, he told me what he saw me becoming. Mm-hmm. And that's the second part of that is, is don't just tell them what you see, but also tell them what you see them becoming. Show them the potential. Show them the future and how what you do in the classroom connects them with their dreams, with what they what they can do, what they can pursue, what they can be. Uh, when we talk about that connection, I, I know that that's an intangible. That's an, an you know, and, and sometimes as educators and in the curriculum, we love to focus on the, the tangibles, that you know, the, the the grades and and how we're doing and the test scores and the, the 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 levels and where we're moving up as a district. And I, you know, that and that's important. I, I would never say that, that that is that is, but there needs to be that balance with a tangible results versus intangible and intangible are is the connection mm-hmm. is the joy is the is the significance not just the success and uh and so it's that focus of intangible that i think just simply doing that you know when's the last time you told a kid what you saw when you looked at them and what do you see them becoming yeah. give it a shot and and for me as a student who had an educator that did that that made it, it everything changed. 
Yeah. I listened better in his class. I would have ran through walls for him because he gave me a pair of drumsticks. He was the one person in my life who believed in me. Yeah. He was the one person in my life who said, no, he's not a problem. This is what I see when I look at him, and this is what I see him becoming. And I thought that was cool. And I loved him for that. And in doing so, everything changed. Yeah, when when I... Yeah, there's so many things here, you know, that we we can dig into, and that is great advice, worth and potential. And um, have you heard of Dr. Martin Seligman? I have not. So he he's uh, he kind of was the creator of the positive psychology kind of model, which is which is all based in the idea that psychology often looks at why everybody's messed up. All the problems, 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 fix the problems, fix the problems. But positive psychology is rooted in this idea of what's working well. Like what can you focus on that's working well? And then you build on that. And, and gratitude is a huge part of that. And what you were saying about, you know, 70 to 80 percent of, of our thoughts, adults and, and children, are negative. The negative self-talk. So he has this strategy, which is just beautiful. And, and I've implemented it with a grade four class here. And my wife, who does a lot of mindfulness and meditation and yoga, uh, does it with her students as well. And it's called um, scanning for the good, right? So it's like we're so programmed to look at what's not working in our life totally. that this is a way that you can flip that. And you simply scan for the good in your life, and you do it every day. And and he has, uh, Dr. Martin Seligman, had done this with severely, like, clinically depressed patients. And they had test groups where he took some patients that were not on meds, and they did this intervention. And for seven straight days, every day, they just looked for three good things that happened in their life. And it could be as simple as somebody held the door open for me. And then you have to attach what that means, kindness. So there, you actually have to put a label on it. Um, it could be, you know, I, I went for a walk, it was sunny. And then it's appreciation. You know, so you do this three, three things a day, and you do it for seven straight days minimum. And after seven days, it stabilized many of the patients' depression. So then they push it to do it for 30 days, right? And then if you do it for 30 days and you're genuine about it, and it can be anything, something that might be very little like holding the door open for a person might mean nothing to another person, but to that person it means the world, right? Totally. Because they're just experiencing negativity every day. You know, you look at the the World Health Organization says by 2030, suicide is going to be the leading cause of death in in developed nations. So it's returning back to that social and emotional peace and the mentorship as you talk about that we all have the ability to be a mentor to somebody, you know, and um, the Mr. Jensen for you, I think I have my question for for you is even though you thought Mr. Jensen was cool and that you would run through walls for him. When was it? How many years did it take for you to say, oh, my God, like what a massive difference that man made in my life and to really understand it from an adult perspective? Yeah, I think it was a good 10 years. And that's a part of the story that when I'm speaking that that, that we have to talk about that, because that's something in the classroom that you don't as an educator. That's what I think that's what's hard is is as an educator, what you do matters. But the hard part is that it matters every day. And what makes it that even sometimes harder is that it it doesn't you don't see the full circle, you don't always get to see that right. Yeah. You don't always get to see that the final ending story of how you really mattered. Um, but but again, it's that we, as the students, we don't forget you. But I, I travel all over the world. I speak to about anywhere from four hundred thousand to five hundred thousand young people, high school, middle school, junior high, even elementary schools. But but I, I want to focus on this little statement for for the middle school, high school age group because I ask them. I ask them questions like, "Tell me, tell me who the last three NFL MVPs were. Tell tell me who they are." Or then I'll ask a question. Tell me who uh, the last two Academy Award winners for Best Actor or Actress were. Or, or tell me who the last two 
Miss Americas were or whatever country I'm in or whatever's pertinent to something that would be significant, popular, prestigious, wealthy, famous, whatever in the world. 99.9% of students can never answer those questions. Mm. We don't know. We have no idea. And I think for the most part, it's because we don't, we don't really care (laughs) and nothing against football, nothing against acting or fame or, or I'm not, I'm not saying that. But then I ask them, then I follow up the question, raise your hand if you can tell me the name of an educator who made a difference in your life. And hundreds, hundreds (laughs) of thousands, depending on the audience, raise their hands. They remember. And, and, And then what we challenge them is to go and to thank that teacher. To go and to bring that 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 movement, that moment, that influence, full circle, yeah. and and so uh, for me it was ten years. It was ten years after the day that uh, Mr. Jensen gave me those drumsticks that I had the opportunity, and and also the impact in my life had taken place uh, in such a relevant way that it was because of him. And one of the one of the coolest days of my life was when I was speaking at my alma mater, high school, and the school brought Mr. Jensen in, and Mr. Jensen got to see me speak, and then he also got to see me play, and it was just, uh, man, what a powerful moment, you know, to see that full circle view. And so I think there's, you know, there's that responsibility of the student to have, again, like you're talking about the attitude of gratitude to recognize mm-hmm. and to show that <laughs> teachers need to be shown their worth and their potential just as much as the kids do. Yeah. We all do. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's humanity, uh, in, in the classroom. Yeah. And, uh, and so it comes full circle. So yeah, it, it, 10 years, 10 years yeah. until Mr. Jensen really knew. The well, impact. getting back to Dr. Martin Seligman, he, he does his gratitude letters, exactly what you just said. And, yeah. and that's why I want to mention that. So he, he gets his, his, uh, patients and not just his patients, but anybody who follows his, his work in his workshops to write gratitude letters and it's easy to send it in the mail. The hardest thing is to go face to face and read it to them. And, yeah. and then the joy that it brings both people is overwhelming. Yeah. And for, for me, um, my Mr. Jensen was Mr. Millette, you know, my grade 10 history, Canadian history teacher. And he was just such an amazing person. And after high school, totally lost touch with him. But I always thought about him. And then I almost felt like I wanted to reach out to him. And I, I had to figure out how to find his phone number. I knew he wouldn't be on social media. And I received, um, it was about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago, my, I was living in Cambodia. Uh, my father, a uh, very tough, rugged, uh, Hungarian-Canadian man, uh, kept his feelings very much to himself, had oh. liver cancer. Nobody knew. I, suddenly, he was in the hospital. I managed to have one last phone call with him, and I said, Dad, hold on for just one more day. I'm coming home. And he died four hours before I got home. Um, went to his funeral, um, whirlwind, I had to fly back to Cambodia. And when I get back to Cambodia... I get a Facebook message from one of my old um, schoolmates, a, a year older than me, who Mr. Millette meant everything to as well. And he said, I, I don't know if you know this, but Mr. Millette was at your father's funeral. And wow. the, the story is that Mr. Millette drove two hours, two, three hours through a snowstorm, ended up at the wrong funeral. <laughs> Oh my so Mr. Mr. Millette's in the wrong funeral and then stays for the funeral, realizes he's in the wrong place, realizes he still has time to catch the end of my father's service, shows up, doesn't want to, to come up to me and say anything. I didn't even know he was there and then drove back. So that was my chance to contact him because my friend sent me his phone number. I contacted yeah. him. You know, like I was incredibly emotional too, uh, talking to him. So we've we've been in touch since then, and I always think oh, it's been a year since I talked to him. I have to reach out to him again. You know, he's probably seventy five, seventy eight right now. But Mr. Millette is 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 
my Mr. Jensen or your Mr. Jensen. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to uh, segue into creativity. And I think in the work that you do as a drummer, it's obviously I've watched your drumming and and, um, you know, creativity in, in the arts. And I work with visual arts teachers and music teachers. And I coach them. And creativity is a huge thing with what they do. Um, so can you talk about, for you in particular, the conditions necessary for you to be at your creative, uh, most innovative, best self when you're performing or practicing? Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I, at least, <clears throat> drumming, drumming is an interesting instrument. Uh, the brain power of what that takes uh, and, and what happens in a person's brain. If you look up the stats and the research of drummers, of what takes place when they are when they are moving, I mean, it is, it is crazy because you have to think, I mean, probably more than, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll regret saying this, but, but probably more than any other instrument, at least that I can think of, you're moving everything yeah. to your fingers, to your hands, your wrists, your feet, your your, your legs, uh, the control and the independence of each of those limbs, uh, it's 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 not easy to 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 do. Um, but for me, the ability to do that and to create uh, is is the is the vision of what I'm creating while I'm creating it. I know that sounds a little bit weird. Uh, for me, I, I think the drums and, and what really took off for me was that sound and, and how the rhythm, the music created the feeling. Mm -hmm. It created the feeling behind the music. It created that, that tempo, that rhythm. It's what moved people. That's what people were tapping their foot to. That's what people were bobbing their head to. So that opportunity, when I sit down on a drum set, whether I'm doing a drum solo or, or I'm playing with a band, uh, I, I'm, I'm the guy that creates the feeling. I'm the guy that creates the mood. Absolutely. And and for me to 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 my essence of creation is is thinking about that. When I sit down, what am I where, where am I going to take everybody? Mm -hmm. What's the journey? What what are we going to communicate? What are we and envisioning that and seeing what that could look like? Uh, that's just that's the endorphin rush. That's the, you know, and then when you see that fruition of what you visualized um, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of the, the classic uh, quote by uh, Da Vinci is that I, I see my painting and I paint what I see. Mm. And uh, I, I love that. It's the same thing. I see what I, I, I want to create. And then when I see that creation come to fruition, there's just nothing like that. And music was that outlet for me that allowed me to harness and channel my energy, but also allowed me to create in a way that I felt like I was... I was impacting. Drumming is not, it, it does fulfill me, but you drum to, to move. Yeah. You drum to inspire. You drum to create rhythm in others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's beautiful. And my, um, I grew up in a family. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I, and I wanted to ask you, and, and I don't want this to sound, you know, uh, bad in any way, uh, because I, I guess I'm comparing it to my life and my story. And for me, I grew up in an environment of um, a lot of mental illness and addiction, you know. Um, and and for me, my escape was movement, in particular American football. So when I, I found a love of American football, uh, I was a quarterback and a punter in high school, and then I played five years university. Uh, I had a pro tryout. Um, that didn't work out fortunately I'm so glad that it didn't work out because my life went in a completely different direction um, but you know physical activity and movement was my escape from the house and then it became my passion you know and was how do you define music for you I don't want to say was it an escape um, but how do you define music as a 10 year old and getting your set of drumsticks? Talk about what that meant to you. And was it an, an escape or was it just bliss? Was it, what was it? Yeah. Music, music was, was a connection. Yeah. Music, music gave me something to connect to that. I liked myself best when I did it. Yeah. Not just even on an emotional level. There was something, I even remember as a kid, there was something cool about saying, I'm a drummer. Yeah. I'm a drummer. I'm a drummer. Like having that opportunity to connect with something that I liked, 
something. So it gave me that. It allowed me to attach myself to something that I loved. And I, I think, uh, I guess, and in, in, in what I'm really trying to say is it gave me a purpose. Yeah. That's what music has done. Yeah. It's given me a purpose. And I think more than ever, kids and children need that. They need that. That purpose can change all the time throughout your life. But when you have that, when you have something to connect with, something that you're a part of, something that you relate to that's bigger than yourself, especially when it's bigger than yourself. I'm not just talking about a passion, right? Because passion is, is, is very intrinsic. It's very it's, – it's all about you and what you love to do. But for me, music was that, that – it, it was that passion, but it was also – combined with purpose where it allowed me to do something bigger than myself. And I liked myself best when I was doing it because I was, I was doing it for others. It it was was that opportunity to connect with, it was the first thing I think in my life, minus flying. I always wanted to fly. That was very, uh, a a very big purpose in my life. And, and the thought of, I wanted to be a life flight helicopter pilot and Mm -hmm. saving people's lives through aviation. Yeah. Uh, I've tried my whole life. I've tried to take my passions and my love and feel like and, and channel that into how can I do something bigger than myself? How can I make a living of this? How can I make uh, the world a better place? And I think that's kind of where my, my mantra for life has come of, you yeah. know, it's not about being the best in the world. It's about being the best for, for the, the world. world. And that's what I loved in that video. And that's what really like that last thing you said was, oh, that's it right there being the best for the world, right? Because the world needs people like you. The world needs people that are going to inspire others to, to, you know, create their own narratives and, and their own journeys. Um, kind of a off question here, but who, who's your fav- favorite uh, rock band and drummer? I guess it can be uh, different, but you know, it doesn't. Yeah, they are, they are different. They are different. I, I, as a professional drummer, there are drummers that are just, rock star I mean amazingly talented technical their hands and what they can do I mean it's just it is unbelievable uh, but as far as a band I love I love Def, Def Leppard oh Def yeah Leopard. yeah, yeah. I mean, they, what a story that again. drummer has yeah absolutely you <laughs> yeah. know and, and, and one, one arm right yeah, it, yeah. it's it's a uh, it was a story that uh, I guess I love Def Leppard, and that was another association with a, a, an advocator versus a developer. My mother in my life was always an amazing developer. Hmm. She was a good manager. I remember I came to my mom and I said, "Mom, I want a drum set." And I said, "I've been practicing. I've been doing my best. I've been, I've been, I've been trying. I'm ready. I want a drum set." And my mom, being a great developer, educators are great developers as well. She looked at me and she said, "Okay, I'll tell you what." She said, when you get your grades up, when you change some of those C's and D's on your report card to A's and B's, we'll talk about getting it. Yeah, excellent. Create developer. Yeah. My dad was an amazing advocator in my life. Mm-hmm. And my dad was in the other room, in the computer room, listening to this conversation. Yeah. And I went walking, and my dad said, Psst, he said, come, come here, get in here, come here. <laughs> and I walked in. And my dad said, hey, I heard you were talking to your mother. Yeah. He said, listen, I, you want some drums? I said, yeah, dad, I want some drums. And he goes, okay, listen, come here. And in the computer room were all my dad's old CDs. And he pulled out a CD. The first one was by the band called Rush. Oh, Rush, of course. Getty Lee, Neil Peart, yes, Alex yes, Lifeson. Absolutely. And he, he 2012. Said, he said, yeah, he yeah. said, this drummer, is a, his name is Neil Peart. He said, oh, change yes. your life. Take the CD, listen to it, learn it. And then he said, well, hold up. And he said, well, I got one more. And he goes up to the second show and he pulls out a CD by the band called Def Leppard. Yeah. And he said, son, he said, this, this drummer, he's, he doesn't have two arms. He's got one arm. Yeah. He said, you learn how to play pour some sugar on me. Yeah. I'll love you forever. Yeah. And That's that beautiful. CD. And that was another pivotal point in my life where I had someone who advocated you know, both are important. Development, my mom had a, she's an amazing human being. She had all my best interest at, at hand. But so did my dad. My dad, my mom focused on that development. My dad focused on the dream. Yeah, that's so cool. And, uh, so, so yeah, Def Leppard. I, I, yeah, I'm so happy you brought up Rush too because, I, again, my, my brothers were professional musicians. And I, that was their escape, music. And, um, you know, through this and for, for me, um, 
I never suffered from addiction. Um, I had bouts of depression, but I was able, that was my escape. I, I got away from it. And, and unfortunately for my brother is I lost one brother to suicide and I lost another brother to drug addiction. But they taught me music, you know. So I played acoustic guitar my whole life, and and I, I will always remember, you know, playing music with them. And uh, Rush, they introduced me to Rush, and then I remember listening to Twenty One Twelve and uh, all yeah. of these Tom Sawyer, all of these like uh, amazing, you know. So I grew up listening to Rush and and Def Leppard. Um, so awesome memories. Um, so, you know, in respect for your time, I want to um, segue over to the speed round, which is um, the kind of the final part of the, the podcast. Um, I was tell, you know, hoping to keep this under 40 minutes. Um, so the speed round is essentially I'm going to ask you four questions. You answer them uh, as briefly as possible with no details. And okay. then I'm going to ask you to choose one of the questions that resonates the most with you and then leave us with one last piece of advice. Now, I want to throw a challenge out to you, okay? And this is perfect. But if you don't want to, don't worry about it. I, I see the drums right behind you, right? They are. So if, they are. if we, when we finish the podcast, could you just kind of close off the show with like a 20 second, just whatever you want? Sure. Okay. That. that that would be beautiful. That would be beautiful do and that. totally unplanned for, but I, I wanted to throw it out there. <laughs> okay. So so we're gonna start right away with uh, speed round. Uh, question number one: the best book you've ever read that's impacted you? A million miles in a thousand years. Who's the author? Do you remember? Uh, Donald Miller. Okay. Okay. That's that's. I'm gonna write that down after. Um, question number two: What is the greatest lesson your parents ever taught you? Uh, to slow down. Okay. Um, you're gonna complete this sentence. My biggest frustration is uh, when people say they're gonna do something and they don't. Okay. And lastly, number four, I, I love this one. If someone was to write a book about your life at the end of your career, what would the title of the book be? I would have to say the day that uh, I would probably have a, the title would probably be The Day I Ran Away with the Circus. Yeah, they're beautiful. Okay, yep. so of those four questions, the best book you've ever read, the greatest lesson your parents ever taught you, your biggest frustration, or the title of your book, um, pick one of those areas now and and talk. Give some advice or insight or anything you want to say about it. I think, uh, oh man, there's so many different lessons in all of those. I would I would choose uh, probably just off the cuff. I would choose the first question, uh, the book "A Million Miles in a Thousand Years." That book is all about how to make your life a better story. Oh, nice. And I, it changed uh, so much of my perspective, so much of what I do, what I don't do, uh, why I live the way I do. You look at great movies, the, the power of, of good story and what that holds, what that constitutes, what, what that brings uh, – into into the into the into the script of your life. Your life is a story, and there are specific things that you can do in your life to make it the best story possible. Mm. And there's elements of good story that make it so. And you have the opportunity to write that. Uh, as an educator, you have the choice every day in that classroom to write a better story. And you write a better story by by helping others to do the same. And so I think within in, in light of this conversation, this podcast, uh, the great teachers are the ones who write the best stories. And, and, and in doing so, they write the best stories for others. And uh, in doing so, that's what has made my life worth living. That's mm -hmm. what has made my life a better story. Mm -hmm. And so a million miles in a thousand years. I am getting, yes, yeah, I love it. Keep writing a better story. Yeah, I'm going to definitely get that book. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been great chatting with you, and, and uh, I, I wish that we had more time because we could take it in a million directions, you know. Um, sure. But I really appreciate connecting with you, and um, I Thank will... Thank you for asking. Thank yeah. you for having me on. It's always an honor. I really appreciate you reaching out. Yeah. So. 
Um, so as we said, so after you do your little drum thing, okay, stay on just for a two minute debrief and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll pack it in. So, okay, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Clint right now is going to get up, go to his drums, drum set and give us 20 seconds of beauty. I've never done this before. (laughs) This is awesome. So Clint's walking right now behind, what kind of drum set is that? That's a massive drum set. Uh, it's a it's a DW drum set, drum workshop, all, all cherry wood. It's kind of uh, my little baby. I love it's it. It's beautiful. All right. Whatever whatever speaks to your heart right now, man. And, and that's without warming up. Yeah, that's without warming up. <laughs> awesome. Okay, Clint, just stay on the line here. I'm going to close off the show. Everybody, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode with Clint Pulver. And I hope you come back to listen to future episodes. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bass. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.